0: You're listening to The Per Service Podcast, episode number eight. Hello and welcome to The Per Service Podcast. This is the show for classical musicians who are working hard to create a life in the arts that they are proud of. We are the smiling faces of The Per Service Podcast cover art, which hopefully you have subscribed to in iTunes. Come on, have you? You really not subscribed yet? Just search per service in iTunes and hit subscribe. It would mean a lot to us. We are four classical musicians, Anna, Jessica, Christian, and me. I'm Michael O'Giblin, who started this podcast to dig deep into the hairy issues about what being an artist today is really like. And today's topic comes to us from BuzzFeed. It's called 25 Adorable Cats Who Think They're Dogs. Uh, no, no, uh, I wish. It's about rejection. It's not a lighthearted topic and one that's not very comfortable to talk about, but that's why we're here, because all of us have been there. We invite you to sit in on our conversation as we discuss why it's such a big deal and some of the things we can do to pick ourselves back up after facing rejection in both college auditions or professional auditions. You can learn more about who we are by visiting the show notes page, which is at www.perservice.co slash eight, like the number. But if you need a quick summary, if we were breakfast cereals, Anna Luce, she'd be Rice Krispies, classic and timeless, but due to her slow internet over Skype, often comes with snaps, crackles, and pops. <laughs> Christian Marshall, he'd be Frosted Mini Wheats, multi-dimensional, half sugary energy, half hearty brand. That's a pleasant combination. Jessica Wiersma, she'd be Fruit Loops, Loud and colorful, but still highly substantive. And me, Michael O'Giblin, I'd be Lucky Charms, a ridiculously Irish name, half amazing little treats to pull out, and half cat litter. Well, (laughs) something like that. Well, I hope you enjoy our conversation. Here we go.
1: So actually Skype like ate some of my stuff and I can't get it anymore.
2: You mean Slack?
1: Yep, that's what I mean. Mine is not. Oh, big.
2: it's it's because half of our conversation was in general, and then half of it was in you show jumped. and tell. That creeped me out as well. Oh,
0: uh, not creeped me out, but it
2: I would like confuse me. Yeah. What's show
3: like, and tell?
2: I have. Uh, there's two different group. That it's this private group that I created for me and Jess. That's <laughs> where they show and tell. <laughs> Ew!
0: Sick. <laughs> when you say it I'll in that voice, we
2: leave clover.
0: <laughs> oh wow. no! Ew. I can't can't do it.
3: Oh well. Should we just start by saying rejection will happen to everyone? <laughs> Can we just lay that groundwork? Yeah,
1: I think. I actually think that
3: we just live yeah. in mm-hmm. a
1: constant. Mm. Maybe I'm cynical, guys. Props.
0: <laughs> no, cynical is next week. This is rejection.
1: Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> oh my. No, I feel like we just live in a constant state of rejection. That is like feels. I I think that we. <laughs> In our profession, we deal with rejection far more on a day to day basis than I think almost any other profession. Yeah, uh,
0: because, and that's sort of the thing I think why it's a big topic is that it's something that everybody faces or will experience at some point. I mean, do you know anybody that has never faced rejection as a musician? No. That is negative. I do not.
3: But I will say, I will say there are a lot of people out there and you guys have met them. So don't act like you don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> that act like they've never been rejected in their life, nor were they, will they ever be. And obviously they've experienced it, but they can't bring themselves to the level to be vulnerable about it. And those people need to go home.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think there's, well, there's something sort of humanizing or that you can empathize with people that have been rejected if if you experience it yourself. And I think that we all will experience it and that it's not a pleasant experience. It can be really brutal and really ugly and kind of just make you question what you're doing with your life.
3: (laughs) How you deal with it is so important. So I feel like it's inevitable, but let's deal with it and let's be adults about it.
1: Yeah, well, and it's hard because I do think, especially with what we do that in our field, rejection can feel so personal and maybe more so than in other fields. Yeah, actually, I do think sometimes it is personal, but I would say 98% of the time. It's not personal, even though it feels personal. Yeah,
0: because, well, let's take most orchestra auditions that, you know, hopefully if if they're behind a screen, the idea is that it's promoting objectivity and they don't know who you are. They're not they're not making a personal decision, but it still feels really personal when you're the one that gets turned down. Right.
1: But I think also if you look at the way most orchestral auditions are set up with the high on the screen, like they actually go out of their way to make it impersonal. (laughs) You walk on a lot of times they have that carpet down. So they can't hear what kind of shoes you're wearing to distinguish your gender. Like they actually go out of their way to make it impersonal.
2: Christian, what's your, you have any thoughts about it's? Actually I do. I always think of that movie. Um, Is it friends? Uh, What is it? crazy, stupid love or friends with benefits. I don't know what it is, but the one, no strings attached. Anyway, it's the one where... (laughs) Yes, the other way, like instead of saying like, it's not you, it's me. I don't like you. Yeah, (laughs) right, That's the only thing when people say it's not personal. It's like, no, it really is personal. Like, I don't like you.
1: Right.
2: (laughs) Yeah, well, I don't know. Like, I was talking to a friend uh, at a string quartet concert last week or a week and a half ago, and uh, she's playing now in an opera orchestra and um, was saying how sometimes people who win they'll let them win but then they'll kind of say oh they played fine like not perfect but you know convince the majority of the jury Hmm. Hmm. so they somehow let them know from the beginning like you got in but
1: wow they tell the winning candidate that
2: Well, they they give them that vibe. But my question is, you know, if if things are personal, you can see the positive aspect, then you don't want to be there anyway.
3: I completely agree. I think that could also
2: be a really negative environment. So if you've ever experienced that, and I have as well, I think. And of course, I was definitely devastated at first and it can really hurt. But I think to realize... (sighs) It's actually not so pleasant to be in that atmosphere where you know you're not welcome or where you know there's a lot of tension between colleagues. I think there is is something good to say for positive environments. And so just, um, you know, pursue those. And if you realize it doesn't fit, you can also say... They didn't want me, and the feeling is allowed to be mutual. There's no reason to say, okay, fine. Then I also don't want to be in that atmosphere. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: That's unusual that often we talk about how we missed it by that much, like we almost got in, or like I made it to the semifinals and I just you know just barely missed it we often don't talk about oh i got in but only by this much or i got in but like there were some things i did wrong yeah. but people don't usually talk about that but it's yeah. that doesn't sound like a healthy a place that you want to be
1: well and it's interesting because i was even thinking of the personal aspect as being about your plane not sure, even necessarily because- about you as a person, I do think there are probably times you don't win an audition or you don't get accepted somewhere or something because they didn't like your playing style,
0: mm-hmm.
1: your, your tone, your sound doesn't fit with the kind of sound that they're trying to create in their orchestra. And I mean, that totally stinks too, but I mean, it is what it is, mm-hmm. you know, it is.
0: you have to really separate your like representation of how you played like at an audition. They're not, rejecting you personally. And I think you have to separate your self-worth from the the representation of how you just played in those five minutes. Absolutely.
3: I was just going to say this ties into your identity being in your ability as a performer, which I think because, you know, we're not actors, but in a way we are mm-hmm. a type of actor, you know, and For sure. I think there's so much danger. And I feel like my whole life since being, I don't know, a, a responsible teenager in some ways. I've been thinking about this, but it's really hard. I'm still not good at it.
0: About Great. being being an actor that is holding a violin?
3: No, no, just separating, separating your identity, like your identity being in your playing and whether or not you're accepted. I think it's really hard to separate.
1: Yeah, I think it's definitely something I've gotten better at. But for me, it wasn't really until after college I realized... How much my identity was in my playing and my self worth, and all of that. Mm-hmm. But I think one of the big things now, I guess I'm talking mainly at this moment about like orchestral auditions, maybe even auditions for summer festivals and such. But I think a huge thing is about those is your mindset going into it, yeah, and what your goal is. Yeah, when I started taking auditions, um, professional auditions, one thing that really helped me was to have a mindset of okay, I want to play better in this audition than I did in my previous one, personally. Yeah. Now, that doesn't mean it doesn't still hurt when you don't advance or if you don't win the job. But that was actually really helpful for me because I was then able to track my own personal progress and how I started performing better in those situations because those are really weird situations to perform mm-hmm. in. There's nothing natural about it. Uh,
0: you know. Well, yeah, I mean, the whole audition day, pretty much in any setting like college or Professional auditions. Like, they're they're just so weird. Yeah, it's not
1: real life. And in some ways, especially with orchestral auditions, it's so, (laughs) it's like so not even what the job is about. So,
2: what if, (laughs) you know, what if you could say, my goal as a musician really is to make music, to craft, you know, a concerto um, the way I wanna play it, to craft these excerpts and to really play them musically. And so I'll play them musically in an audition and I'll play them musically on stage and to not, not differentiate between where you're making the music. And I think a good tie-in to this is this YouTube clip of Brian Cranston explaining his role on taking auditions. Um, he said, you're not supposed to go in there to win a job. He goes, you're supposed to go in there as an actor to create an interesting character and to really present your art And then to just walk away, that's all you can do. It is not Hmm. in your hands to win the job. You can't do anything like that. But your job as an actor is to create this character, to give them a scene, a setting, feelings, draw them in, and then walk away. And there's a real power in that. And he said, and until he had that mindset, he was, you know, not doing well. And he said, once he had that, he's never been busier. And that was about 18 years ago. And I think that's super inspiring. You know, if we make this really about music making. Yeah. And once we inhabit that mindset and we really embody music making all the time, we pick up our instrument and not just anything mechanical or not for a purpose, just to create music, to express ourselves in that moment we're creating music. It really shouldn't matter if it's in an audition or in a concert. So do you think like as a musician, you can do sort of the same thing as an actor and
0: say, I'm presenting A portrayal of these, these excerpts.
2: I think, I think so. And, and I think that also helps you separate it. Yeah. That creates the difference like an actor has from his character. He's, you know, thinking I'm crafting this. I'm really doing this at the moment. Yeah. Here it is. And then when he walks on stage, he's done. He's, you know, like they say, they're out of character. Yeah. I'm going to present my Mozart right now, what I've crafted, what I've created, what Mm -hmm. my take on it. And then. Yeah. You know, you have to switch to the next one.
3: I like what you're saying, but I, the thing, I'll, I'll just be honest with you about the question mark I'm having right now because I love that concept and mm-hmm. I want that to be reality. But I feel like actors are able, even though they're stepping into a different character, they're able to emote and really like be what they see the role as. And I feel like when we do that, we won't win jobs because it's too personal. And these orchestra committees don't actually want music making. I feel like they want,
1: Well, I don't know. I also really like what you're saying, Christian, but I think the difference is the audition process. It doesn't really tell you much about what you're that person you're hiring from that audition process. It doesn't actually really tell you how they will fit and work in your section.
2: Well, it's not but, but the best way to go about like, hiring
1: people, but I don't know what the solution is either. Can't, so.
2: can't someone on a committee hear whether or not that person's vibrato will blend in with their section? Yeah, if someone but has a super person, slow and super wide vibrato and they realize, okay, everyone here, like we play differently. That's not going to blend. I don't want that. Well, like,
1: I think there are different parts of the job that you can't actually tell behind a screen. And it doesn't have to do with necessarily your playing of course, right. I think I also- we're getting
3: totally off track here about <laughs> well, what we're supposed I, to be talking I, about. I, I think everyone's <laughs> agreed on two things: one, I love Christian's concept, and two, I think that our system is broken. <laughs> I really believe that our system of auditioning people and the way things the way we've gone about it, I don't think it's the best way mm-hmm. because it's become rather corrupt. I think we can all agree Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I'm sure there are organizations that are not, but it feels like the majority at this point is, I I mean, I think it's broken.
0: And I think sort of one of the, one of the things that's hard about the system right now is that it's setting up 99% of the people for rejection because they invite, you invite 300 people. Dude. For uh, for an audition where there's only one position, right. and so 299 people. I mean, that's that's like 99.999.
3: Major oversaturated. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, but at the same time,
1: and that's if the orchestra
0: hires somebody. I don't know that there's a, what this with the better system is, because if they only invited somebody who was recommended by the concertmaster or something and gave him, you know, a trial week, if they just gave every candidate a trial week, you would only have, you know, 10 or 12 candidates in an entire year that could get a week to play with the orchestra. So do you want to try to roll the dice and see if you can advance um, or go with like the insider connection.
1: Yeah. I don't know what the solution is, but I think either way, even if they change the system completely, there would still be rejection involved. And I guess like my point is with orchestral auditions and your mindset is, um, you can't walk and be like, my goal of this is to win a job. Yeah. Because if that is your only goal, I don't know. I feel like a lot of people are going to hate this. But if that's your only goal, then I don't know how you can keep going after you mm-hmm. like lose audition after audition or don't advance. That can just get really discouraging. And that's when that starts feeling very personal. Yeah.
3: Well, can, I, can I stop you there for a second? And can we take a fun poll? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because my husband and I were talking about our assumptions walking into auditions. Can, can you guys just tell me like, do you somewhere within you? I'm not saying the goal should be to win, mm-hmm. but do you somewhere inside of you think, I'm going to win this when I, when you go into an audition? Or yes. what, what other assumptions do you have? Okay, personally, I would say I go in
1: somewhere deep down inside of me, but that's a very real part that says you can win this. Like you're good enough to, to do this job. And then there's a part of me that says, Uh You're going to go in and play the best you can play right now, today. Whatever that is, is what that is. That's pretty good.
2: Well, I've only ever taken two auditions and I feel like... What? Yeah. Well, anyway, so I feel like the person who I am now was not the person who took those auditions. I think I've grown a lot. So I definitely say my mindset then was like, I hope I play all the notes, right? (laughs) You know, like, I hope I, that second round thing sounds kind of cool. You know, like, you know, like whatever, like didn't really know anything. So I think my mindset now, since I'm wanting to take auditions is in my prep time to really kind of refine each of the excerpts and pieces I'll play as much as possible until I'm happy with them. And I'm really trying to think of it, you know, like crafting something. So I think about, you know, a sculpture, like I'm really just trying to chisel away and refine and really be happy with what I've created. And then just to present that as well as possible in the audition. I think that's, that's my current mindset. Like, and if they like that and I advance and win, great. But I'm really wanting consistency here. Like I really want to try to craft something and then to see, can I replicate that in an audition process?
1: Mm-hmm. What about you, Michael?
0: I've done, I've had like success and failures with different, when I, I can look back and say, this was my mindset going in or, or that. And when I was doing undergrad auditions, I had done quite a few in a row. There was, there was one I can remember where I just really didn't care anymore. And I wasn't really even sure I wanted to go to that school. And I was in this just like effort. Uh, if, if I get in, whatever, if I don't, I don't. And I played amazingly, you know, because then there was just this. and I have colleagues that really will try to put themselves in the just effort. Like, I don't care.
1: Oh, yeah, mode. for and, sure. Uh, there's something there's something very valid about that, I think. And But I think it's
0: that's it's like that disconnecting yourself from the results. Kind of attitude, but I don't think you can fully convince yourself. I don't well because
1: there's also something about like taking a tiny bit of pressure off yourself that allows you to be a little bit more free, and mm-hmm. then you maybe also, don't overanalyze also, like how did I shift to that note that's coming up right now? Oh shoot! You know, like,
2: <laughs> I I agree, and also I think physically, you know, if you can when you have this kind of you know just effort mentality. It's frustration and kind of a little bit of like resignation and almost like, yeah. Ugh, whatever, apathy, boredom towards it. And I think that what that does is it relaxes your body, first mm-hmm. of all. Like, it gives you, you know, the slump shoulders and just kind of, you know, think about like, oh, just F it. Like, you know, you exhale and you <laughs> like slump down. Like it's this sort of relax. like your body, you know, can just put its natural weight. It can move freely, like you said. And then also it yeah. gives you this sort of like, a little bit of a, of a, um, you know, wrinkled forehead focus on something like, oh, like you really, you go towards it and that's actually a great mindset for difficult passages or for a concert or an audition you know, cause your body's relaxed and you have this sort of like laser yeah. focus or mm-hmm. concentration on something cause you're a little bit frustrated or ticked off about it. <laughs> I think that actually is kind of a, a great physical recipe to have.
3: Yeah.
1: I'm very curious about Anna's.
2: Yeah.
3: Well no, I it's just funny to me because my view on things and Greg's were so different. He was like, Wait, you don't assume that you're gonna win every audition, do you? And I'm like, Yeah, I do. Yeah. I'm, oh, so totally that's why you like, get so upset. <laughs> what? <laughs> Oh my gosh. Yes. The last audition Jess and I took together, so we, took we both got upset.
0: Because neither of you advanced.
3: I remember
1: struggling afterwards and I was like, how could she be so upset because she hasn't been taking 20 auditions in the last two, three, like, well,
3: That's why I only months. took one. I put all my eggs in one basket. <laughs> well, no, but what I do, my process is not healthy. I'll just tell you right now. Oh, okay. I, first of all, I will not take an audition if I don't feel prepared. Mm -hmm. There's no way I, because I'm really good at self-sabotage, so I don't need to give myself (laughs) any extra help. Um, no, I'm serious. I have a, I have a problem and I also developed, I didn't have an, a nervous issue for a long time and then it cropped up. I'm going to say, well, it got really bad at the end, like of undergrad and going into grad school. Uh So I did pretty well for a while with the whole nerves thing. But I think if I'm prepared going into audition, I'm just like, yeah. I it and also the first two audition experiences I had were really good ones and the first one I I like advanced for a symphony after not practicing at all and having audition four days after my wedding and then and so that made <laughs> me feel like oh pretty good yeah, yeah. on my shoulder and then um the second one was for the lyric opera in the same town And I will just put a little note in here of things not to do at auditions, just in case (laughs) this has to do with rejection. And luckily it wasn't me that did it. But like, I definitely should have gotten the spot. There are two spots in this lyric opera and I obviously heard my own audition (laughs) and I'm capable of how great I am. And I heard the other auditions of the other, it was a kind of situation where we were lined up in a hallway for the last round. And it was like, uh, it shouldn't have been the way that it was. It, it was not super well organized. And so they came out and announced to like the four finalists who won the spot. And I knew at this point it was, political because when they announced the girl who won I was like there's no way I've played gigs with her she can't even play the queen of Sheba in tune so and her and her friend high-fived each other because they both got the two spots in front of the other finalists and Mm -mm. and actually the one girl came around and apologized later but that that was like ultimate rejection situation for me because I should have won like I honestly believe that I knew the other girl and it was just not not a thing and then having to be gracious as you watch two people high five me each other when <laughs> oh, the winners are painful.
0: announced. What? Okay, so this sort of brings up sorry if I can't this um this topic that I think we're all obsessed with this from failure to success story of this I took. Th- Thirty-five auditions and got you know rejected from all thirty-five, but the thirty-sixth one I took, I won. And this, it's sort of this you know like rags to riches story. <laughs>
1: it actually qu- quite literally could be if you've done thirty-five auditions.
0: Yeah, <laughs> 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 yeah really. They're expensive. You probably are <laughs> pretty poor. Yeah, but we like hearing that story and want that story to be our story, and it just might not really work out that way for everybody or that it's not I don't believe that it's really just a numbers game that it's like if you just if you just keep showing up like eventually yeah. you know the dice will fall in your favor um I wish to all things that it it was a numbers
1: game because then I would have a job <laughs> yeah you totally would <laughs> well I will say I think when I started taking auditions I did kind of think that, and man, the longer I've been doing it, it is just not because I'm telling you, there are more and more people showing up to these auditions. Like instead of people getting weeded out because they're winning jobs, there's just more of them. I'm like, where are you all? Where's everyone coming from? Like, there's just more and more people showing up. There are less and less jobs. This is the most encouraging episode we've done thus far. Yeah. This episode kind
0: of (laughs) sucks. Oh, we're here to talk about the real, real topics. I I should clarify that uh, that might happen. It's not a numbers game unless you learn from the experience, unless you change and like grow and are doing something different. If you just keep showing up and doing the same things and never like taking lessons or playing for more more people and getting input, then yeah, there's no way that, well, maybe not no, no way, but you have to be growing and improving for it to eventually put yourself in a place where you can win
1: for sure. But I just, I guess I just think that there's no guarantee you will win anything. Yeah. Job wise.
0: And so I think why we're talking about rejection is that you have to know how to process All your emotions and insecurities when rejection happens, because I think what Anna was saying earlier, if you just if you go to an audition and you get rejected, it. It like sort of it takes a chink out of your armor or I think drains uh, takes the gas out of your resilience tank or something. Yeah, that might be a metaphor I could expand upon that. I think you sort of have this resilience or persistence tank and it's it's a finite amount. I think maybe maybe we could talk about ways to fill it back up. But when you experience rejection it's like you're taking you're draining it and you know if you just keep showing up at audition after audition and experience rejection after rejection there probably comes a day where that tank is empty and you just don't feel like going on oh sorry my phone is going off
1: i actually think like a huge learning experience for me with dealing with rejection and how you bounce back from that because okay so you take an audition you don't get it. And then you maybe have, I don't know, a month or two before your next audition. And so how do you bounce back from that? How do you get the motivation or whatever to start practicing for that next audition after you've just bombed one or played well, but didn't get it? I honestly think one of the best things I did was I took like eight auditions in six weeks or something one time. It was terrible in so many ways, but when it comes to the emotional part of it, Man, like it was just so forced to have to deal with it and then move on to the next one because the next one is in like four days in like th- <laughs> three states away or whatever. So yeah. you have to get it together. I think that was really educational for me. <laughs> I think
0: you, do, you can build up a resistance towards the rejection or like develop a thicker skin to rejection, but it, it still hurts. Oh, yeah. And I think it's not really helpful To be told like, oh, you just got to get back out there and one of these days you'll win. I don't know. Like there is some sitting with the raw emotions of being rejected that you have to sit with. And I think it's also important, don't make life, big life decisions when you're driving home from mm-hmm. an audition.
3: <laughs> yeah, I don't do that. You're only but allowed I, to make big food decisions. Yes. You
1: are totally allowed. Oh, yeah. I like to, I adapt to the policy of treat yourself. <laughs>
0: <laughs> treat
1: yourself. After every audition. And it does, does not matter
0: if the audition,
1: if I won it. Parks and Rec. Or if I yes, failed. Yes, that's it. I, I treat myself.
0: Treat yourself. And sometimes...
1: Yeah. It usually because auditions are already expensive and I have like a couple coming up or something. <laughs> it's usually like just a really nice coffee drink somewhere or like yeah. maybe a nice dinner as opposed to getting a bagel from the day old bagel shop in order to save money. You know, sometimes it's like sometimes it's usually just silly like that. But I do think that's a imp- Treat yourself.
0: Coming up after the break, we talk about specific things you can do to move on past rejection. But first, a word from our sponsors. The per-service blog and podcast is made possible by orchestraexcerpts.com, the website that I created to help instrumentalists prepare for orchestra auditions. The site really reflects the dual path that many classical musicians find themselves in. On one hand, trying to prepare orchestra excerpts to win a big audition, and on the other hand, play per-service gigs to pay the bills. That's the predicament that so many musicians find themselves in today. So I created this website to make learning orchestra excerpts much easier and efficient. If you're preparing for an audition, orchestraexcerpts.com makes it the easiest place to listen to multiple recordings of excerpts and follow along with the sheet music on screen in one convenient place. You can also purchase excerpt collections, either clean practice parts or ones edited with bowings and fingerings and many other resources, whether it's for your summer festival, a youth orchestra, your school seating audition, or for the LA Philharmonic. You can find and listen to those excerpts at orchestra excerpts.com today's podcast is also brought to you by audible.com where per service listeners can get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial by visiting www.perservice.co forward slash audiobook they have over 180,000 programs to listen to uh, for your iphone android kindle or mp3 player to get a free audiobook today you go to again perservice.co slash audiobook all right, let's get back to it. All right, so now we're gonna we're gonna change it up and talk specifically about school auditions, undergrad or masters, and what do you do? Because actually, I did not follow a traditional path to getting into school, and I think there are other ways of going about doing it when you do face rejection. So, if you guys have other thoughts or ideas, feel free to. Sp- out.
1: Well, do you mean like for your undergrad, you followed a non-traditional path? And what does that mean?
0: Yeah. So uh, most people, you audition in like March or April or something like that and to get into the fall semester. And I didn't get into the school that I wanted to go to in the fall. And so in the fall, I practiced and t- took an audition to, to start in January. And I think that's a really it's a good way to get into a school or to get a second chance at getting into a school because a lot of things change in that first semester like people drop out or teachers realize they have more time than they thought or they want to make more money and so they want to take on more (laughs) students and so I think you also have there are opportunities to start school in January that you don't really think about it at first
1: Mm -hmm. what are what do you guys think about Like, now, this for like your senior year of high school, what do you put? How important do you think it is during that year to research teachers to study with in college? Meaning, like, you go and meet them and have lessons with them.
2: Oh, huge. I think that's very important.
1: And how I think that's actually, in some ways, more important than the actual audition.
0: Yeah that was something especially
3: for undergrad yeah
1: yeah yeah,
0: i did not understand that like my parents were musicians and my teacher wasn't all you know he was a great teacher but he wasn't really hip on the whole Mm, uh mm -hmm. how to get into school school scene. so no yeah i just i thought the audition was that was your one shot you get 10 minutes to go show up and play and all these teachers, you know, at University of Michigan where I auditioned, had no idea who I was. I was just yeah. random, random guy, and so that was one of the things I learned was like, oh, you have to meet them and get to know them. and And so that fall, I st- I took some lessons with them, and then so in January when I you know auditioned again, or I you know I auditioned later in the fall, they knew who I was, and they were and they were like, okay. And I think it takes a lot of the pressure off the ten minute audition that you get, is that you don't have to represent everything in that 10 minutes like if you have a bad day they'll be a little more forgiving and say you know oh well I heard him play the last you know all last month or something and he's you know they'll know if you can improve or not
3: what I have found is that um to it seems for undergrad you know you're really that's when you're establishing yourself as a musician for the first time officially. And I think it's extremely important to establish a relationship with the teacher. If you're able to, like we're talking about, go to the audition, you see what happens from there. And usually those teachers, if they want you, they're going to chat with you after your audition or at least email you or something. And then after that, either you've been accepted or rejected or there's a scholarship situation or, or whatever. But I would say that for undergrad, if you don't get in To music school, you may really want to consider a double major. And I think for grad school, it's a different ballgame because I feel like the majority of the desired teachers, they're not always giving audition. I mean, giving lessons before auditions these days. You know, at that point, you've had four years of training and you have to go in and wow them with 10 minutes. And then hopefully after Mm -hmm. your audition, they're going to take you out in the hallway and be like, I'd like to speak with you about being in my studio that's when you know, like, okay, I'm doing all right. But you don't always have the option in grad school. I mean, tell me if you guys think I'm wrong, but that was my experience. If there was a teacher I was interested in
1: working with and I emailed them and I called them and there was no response, then I knew I did not actually then want to work with them. Yeah. Because if they couldn't make time to even respond and be like, sorry, I can't give lessons because I'm too busy or whatever, then I don't know if I could really trust them to give me as much time as I want when I'm there, if that makes sense.
0: Also, if you can't get a lesson like during the school year or you also maybe study with them like during the summer, like see if they teach at a summer program that you can get into. Um,
1: I did that a lot. Sometimes like for financial reasons, you can't get out there to meet the teacher. But if you have like a correspondence with them and just ask, can I, can I, I'd love to play for you, you know, in addition to or outside of the audition for like 10 minutes on that weekend, that's also a huge thing because you have to show that you're interested.
2: And I also, I also think it's important to show them or give them also the chance to see if they want to work with you. Absolutely. I mean, you want to, you know, you want to establish this report with them that you're flexible, you're willing to learn, you can quickly, assimilate things, apply them to your playing. You can, you can grow.
1: Yeah. I think you're totally right. You have to see if you work well together. Oh, well I just, I had a lesson with a teacher and he was great and I really liked him, but he said that if I came and worked his, with him in his studio, he would make me get rid of my shoulder rest. Now for those of you who have not seen me, my neck is approximately the length of a giraffe. It is (laughs) so long. Like I need a shoulder rest. This man had no neck. So for him, it was, he looked like a linebacker. Yeah. Like he had shoulders and a head. So like, <laughs> I was not ri- I was just not interested uh, when to redo my entire technique as a grad student. And it's just,
0: I don't think it's, it's worth it to get, be the, be that person with the like six inch uh, chin rest. And <laughs> that's like so tall. and then, no, and then you I have to like get a, you get gosh. a specially made case oh. because it sticks up too high. It doesn't fit in a standard case.
1: No, I agree, Michael. I don't want to have that. No. no. And then, so
0: how about professional auditions, like for orchestras or for even just contract work? A lot of times you have to play for the contractor to get called for random gigs. When things don't go right the first time, what are sort of your options? Can you work your way still up the ladder, so to speak? Or is just nailing the audition the only way to make your dreams come true. I
3: think we're all dealing with that currently. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think
1: though, it depends on why you didn't win the audition. If you didn't win because you were one of like 250 people and you think you played well or okay, fine. But if you took a different, like you, like you were saying, if you played for contractors or a yeah. concert master of a smaller orchestra, yeah. if you did that and they told you, Hey, you have some really big issues, like you're nowhere near, then we might need to reevaluate some life choices. I mean, I do think that there is a point where if you're just like not cutting it, you're going to hate your life.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I think it also depends on what type of job you're going for. I know I mentioned this interview before, the one with David Kim, but he mentions how he when he was in the final running for Philadelphia, the other guy, they were trying out two people. It was him and Ilya Mm -hmm. Collar. Collar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know who yep. won Moscow mm-hmm. or whatever the Tchaikovsky competition. He was yeah. the guy um, who told was me like, I had
1: to get rid of my shoulder yeah. rest. I didn't ah, play with the okay. shoulder rest. Yeah. So
3: he liked me more. <laughs> <laughs> no, I yeah, loved him. We so. actually worked really well together except for that.
2: <laughs> and, uh, and you know, and David's like, I was never going to outplay him like not in a million years. He was like another, you know, world of violin playing a whole nother class. But I had other things to bring to the table, and so I think you know if if you 're that far along or if it 's maybe for a teaching position or school you know when they really kind of look at you from all angles then it it really is important how you present yourself and and what you can bring to the table now, for big auditions, like Jessica said, if you 're not cutting it to win the top ones, I think it's healthy to analyze where you 're at and just look at it and really be non emotional about it, say. This is the level of orchestra or the type of work I'm able to get. So technically, you know, if there's a spot for everybody, this is my spot. If you don't like where you're at, then consider doing something else professionally. Because no matter how much you want to be somewhere else, if you're not able to cut it, then you will not get there. Well, I
0: think, yeah. So my last thought on that is that there are some times when you can... Sort of find an alternate way to play with an orchestra such as sort of like with school is try to take you can try to take lessons or play for the concert master or principal of your section separately. In a lot of orchestras, the sub list is like written in stone and others, it's not. And even there's a spectrum of that, that sometimes they have guidelines of a list and it sort of floats a little bit. Sometimes a new person moves into town and they decide to start calling them. There are other ways that are... I'm still talking all ethically. I'm not talking about like sleeping your way to the top, of course. (laughs) Uh, That's not really a recommended uh, path.
1: Don't moat start in the jungle, guys. Yeah, yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. But... Also, I think if you start, if you play with some of the local orchestras around the area, when I was in Nashville, a lot of the symphony players played in also some of the other local ones just like an hour or two away. And you get to know them and form relationships with the symphony people. And that goes a long way. And if you sometimes I think you have to remember to ask for what you want or talk about Mm -hmm. where you're trying to go and not just assume that somebody is going to hand you mm-hmm. exactly what you're looking for. Like if you want to be doing more recording work or you want to be doing more weddings, you sometimes need to talk about that and talk to people and say, yeah, this is ideally what I'd like to be doing. Super good point. And who knows? They might be like, Oh, as a matter of fact, we're always looking for people to do this. Of course, maybe playing weddings isn't your dream goal, <laughs> but you know, there's just an example. A,
1: no, but that, that is such a great point. And that doesn't also mean that if you ask for it, you're going to get it, but at least they know, you know, they know your name yeah. is out there. They have you in the back of their yeah. mind.
0: that you are trying. <laughs> Anna's making I a just, face that I just oh, knocked sorry, my water jug over. Else. <laughs> All right. Okay. Well on yep. that
3: note of not walking, <laughs> knocking water jugs over. Yep. Everything's hard. This is another pair of podcast.
0: <laughs> I've been Michael O'Giblin.
2: I'm Anna Luce. I'm Jessica Wearsma. And I'm Christian Marshall. All right.
3: Cool, guys. Mouth trumpet.
0: Well, that is our show, folks. Yeah, it's not an easy topic. Look... There's no way for us to know if you should continue or reconsider being a musician if you faced rejection recently. You have to remind yourself why you're doing what you're doing and what your definition of success is. And asking someone else for their opinion might not help you either because maybe you haven't worked as hard as you really could or maybe you haven't decided that there is no other option other than music. But if you are deciding to reconsider being a full time musician or if you have an injury that is preventing you from carrying on, the lessons you learn from practicing an instrument, the dedication and the perseverance are lessons that you can hopefully apply to a new career and help you succeed at your new goals. Well, that is something to think about. You can find the show notes, including that video of Bryan Cranston, the actor who is the star of Breaking Bad, about his mindset at auditions on the show notes page, which is at perservice.co slash eight. That's P-E-R-S-E-R-V-I-C-E dot C-O slash eight. And if you like what you heard, please subscribe to our podcast and leave us a rating or review in iTunes. It helps other musicians and artists find our show. If you have a question you'd like us to answer in an episode, ask it in your iTunes review or record it using the SpeakPipe widget, which is on the show notes page. And don't forget, you can find us on Instagram under per-service podcast and share with us your hashtag gig of the week. Oh, and if you enjoyed this podcast about life in the performing arts, here is a sneak peek at our new podcast we're launching where we discuss the developing political climate of the presidential campaigns.
1: And most of them I don't like, I don't want to vote for. Yeah. And then it's the primary. I'll, it doesn't in most of the I don't, like, I still don't the understand states, how I've, it has anything to do with anything. Most of the states I've lived in. Well, it has to do with who the delegate is. Yeah, except, well, I think on this one it could have more a bigger effect on the Democratic Party, but on the Republican Party, I think it's going to be a, a free-for-all once it comes to the convention because nobody's going to have the number of delegates necessary to secure the, yeah. the nomination going into the convention.
3: Yeah, I think it matters. Yeah, well, like that's why we registered because like we figured. Delicates, delicates. Yeah, I heard. <laughs> I thought
2: you know, about like <laughs> negligee. I said yeah, delicate. <laughs> like, I thought about you doing it that. So that Sounds like, like
3: oh, delicate.
0: I could do my it
3: did. It was funny. Sorry, I definitely meant
0: delicate. Uh, <laughs> Put it on the light spin gotta, cycle.
3: Oh my gosh! What? Do you guys hear Zoe? You no, can hear. I don't hear anything. Just barking her head. I just hear
1: you like losing your brain every once in a while.
3: But also,
0: Michael,
1: I haven't. Oh, I forgot. It's not important. Go ahead. Um, yeah,
0: I think we'll just stick to music. I recorded a bit of conversation before we actually got started, and that was just too good not to use. Well, thanks again for listening. We'll see you in the next episode. Be well and practice well.
3: Mouth trumpet.